Good morning, everybody. How are we doing? Okay, this is awesome. So glad all you guys are here. Uh, my name is Chris Plegenpole, and I'm lead pastor here. And so if you are brand new, one of the things we love to do is do questions. And so if you have any question uh, throughout uh, the talk or throughout the rest of the week, uh, save this number in your phone for a Pastor Plex podcast and, uh, and let us know. And we answer all those questions throughout the week, Tuesday through Thursday. Uh, your questions get answered and it's an exciting place to be. Uh, and we'll keep that number up all morning long. Okay, so we are in a series called Community, and if you can tell by the emphasis, the emphasis is on this part of the syllables over here. We want the, the, the unity aspect to be the focus of community. And what we've said is that it's really hard. The church, for, for a lot of times, for a lot of people, has been a difficult place to have community because for a long time, it's just show up, shut up, and pay up, and then everyone leaves you alone. And what we found is when we do that, there's no real connection. And so there is a lack of vulnerability. There's a, there's a lack of deep friendships. And so we want to kind of continue in that vein. And this week, we're, gonna, we're really going to talk about uh, healthy uh, community. But before we get into that, um, how many of you guys' brackets are still intact? How, how, really? Way to go. Yeah, I, my, my Coach K moment of thinking he would take it to the top, it's now over for me. My bracket's done. And so, and the, with the change there at Duke, because this is last season, it just reminded me of like, we have a lot of changes coming up, and change affects community. In fact, uh, this week, I know this is going to be like a heartfelt, distraught moment. Uh, Jessica Nelson, uh, she stepped down as, a, uh, as one of our admins, and so we were like, ah, oh, but she'll still be here at the church. She's going to be a stay-at-home mom full-time, which we're really excited about for her. And also, Tony's really excited about for her. And, uh, <laughs> and so we're really grateful for that, that shift. Now, uh, also coming on staff is uh, my new assistant, Melanie, and I'm really pumped to have Melanie uh, McLemore on. Yeah, she's awesome. And the thing you may not know about Melanie is at one point, she almost became a teacher. Now, and what happens on one particular day, she, she's part of our, one of our evangelism teams, and she would go out, and she was going door-to-door sharing Jesus with people. And at one point, uh, a teacher answered the door, and as they're getting to know her story, she pretty much let out that... Um, that she just heard this, this teacher went on and on and on about the horror stories about undisciplined children, underpayment, underappreciation, uh, vice principals not taking care of the discipline issues, the principal not administratively supporting them. Uh, am, I, am I touching on some tension points here? Yeah. Uh, and, and just was like, and, and then convinced Melanie, don't ever become a teacher. All right. And so if there's one thing that we need, can we just be honest, is that we need good teachers. Can anybody say like, we need, there's not one person in here goes, you know what? Teaching is just not that important. Like, don't worry about it. Just send your kids and they'll just kind of, you know, keep in a room for eight hours and whatever they want to do, they can just do it, whatever, right? Nobody is thinking we don't need good teachers. In fact, teachers who go into the teaching profession don't go, well, this is going to be a waste of time. No, they have like this whole inspiration, this whole desire. They've been trained uh, at the university. They're ready to go make a difference. And then all of a sudden, we're having the hardest time with recruitment and retention of teachers. Now, this is the part where you look awkwardly at the church and go, oh, yeah, so do we. <laughs> and so th- that's saying something. So it, like, this is not something that's just uh, at the church that we struggle for with recruitment, evangelism, and retention, discipleship. It's the whole world. 
And so what happens is, is um, actually, um, was talking to some leadership within uh, the Texas Education Agency. And they were saying that they're actually trying to re- create like bonuses for teachers to kind of get them more uh, excited about teaching so that when they go home for Thanksgiving and they're telling the stories about what's it like in your job, there would be a little bit more positive uh, stories to tell. Because I think we're enamored and we are inspired by story. And the same is true for the church. Because when you start talking about how great your church is, you start talking about, no, you wouldn't believe what happened in the experience that I've had. When you start talking like that, people are like, shoot, I'll give that a shot. But what happens for most of us, we're sort of embarrassed. And maybe it's because you don't really like church. (laughs) Let's just be real, right? And so what I want us to realize is that our unity within community affects other people than just us. And so I think we resist living in unity when we don't think our unity affects non-Christians. Okay? So, and here's what I mean. So most of us, just like you would say, like we need good teachers, We need teachers inspired. We need teachers to go and challenge our children, raise them up through all the education system to have them be gifted. But here's what's happening. You would say the same thing about community. And what happens for a lot of us, we dread interacting with other Christians. Why? Why is that? What happened to the community within that where you'd, you'd, because this is what happens. We'd say, listen, um, we, we get you don't invite people to your community group. You don't invite people to church because it's not that, what? Exciting. I mean, how many of you shared Will Smith and Chris Rock's slap? How many shared it? Come on. Come on. Yeah. All right. So we, we all naturally share stuff we're interested and say, oh, look at that. Uh, and so when was, if you've shared that, when was the last time you might have said, hey, would you want to check out what's going on at my church? And so I, again, we, we do this with, uh, we're evangelists of careers when we're really enjoying it. We're evangelists of movies and music. We're evangelists of Will Smith and Chris Rock moments. And so I think what, what does it say about your faith? And this is, this is the part that gets awkward. I'm going to get a little step on people's toes. I know I'm just going to be like, come on. What if you don't mention your faith at all? What does that say about us? And so if we are not excited about the Christian community, why in the heck would anybody else be? If, no one, if we're not excited about it, why would the rest of the world be? And you're like, okay, God, all right, got it. All right, okay. And then second, um, I, I think the church resists living in unity when we don't think our unity affects our personal relationship with God. Now, I've heard people literally say this to me at least once a month. As a pastor, you get this, this once a month, ready? And you've heard it too, and you maybe even have said it. All right, ready? Here it is. It goes a little something like this. <clears throat> I don't need to go to church to have a relationship with God. <laughs> Everyone said that. And what, you, what, what people mean by that is my salvation, right? My salvation uh, is not dependent upon church attendance. But when you say it, over and over and over again, it means I don't need church, 
right? What you meant, what the original person meant when they said that was like, you know, a church attendance isn't a qualifier for your salvation in heaven. But what, when you start saying it over and over and over again, what people then hear is that church is no longer valuable. And so what I want us to kind of lean into this morning is hear not only that evangelism is a primary component of our unity with one another, but it also affects our own intimacy with God beyond, right? Your quiet time and the spiritual disciplines. We're going to talk all about that this morning. Okay. That's where we're going. People are like, man, that's a lot to cover. Yeah, I'm with you. We're going to be in the high priestly prayer of John 17. If you don't have a Bible uh, there should be a black, hardbound, black one, just like this one, somewhere in the seat in front of you. Uh, if you don't have a Bible at all, this is our gift to you. And we're going to be starting it from page 903 or John 17. So um, would you guys mind praying with me as we ask God to bless the reading and the proclamation of his word this morning? Uh, Father, I'm excited about your word. I, I love your word. I, there's not many things that get me more fired up in the day than your word. And I love to meditate on it, and I love to uh, expound upon it, and I want it not just to be information, I want it to be transformation, Father, for me and for everybody in here. And so God, I pray that this morning as your word goes forward, uh, we would hear and respond with joy, because you are the king. We love you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said... All right, John 17, uh, page 903. This is the beginning of John 17 is the high priestly prayer. Jesus gives kind of like uh, a a whole talk before this of the the working of the Holy Spirit, how at some point, you know, they're going to undergo a lot of trials. uh, But ultimately, no matter what, Jesus is going to overcome the world. All the darkness, all the tribulation in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. So he kind of puts that down, and then he picks up a prayer, and he starts leaning in. And this is the, the last prayer before he goes to um, Gethsemane and is praying for himself. This is the prayer for the church, and I wanted to lean in a couple verses. All right, go to John 17, verse 20, Okay. He's praying for his disciples up until this point. But then he goes, I do not ask for these only. And this is the part where your name is in the Bible. But also for those who will believe in me through their word. So Jesus' plan all along was that God would work through the words of people. So it somehow got to you and it somehow got to me 2,000 years later. Here we are believing in Jesus through their word, okay? That they may all be one just as you, Father, are in me and I in you that they may be in us. They may also be in us, which that's so confusing when you read that. And Jesus knows that's confusing. And so we're going to really unpack that. And then he puts a, so that, so that, that is a purpose statement. So here it is. Uh, I, I don't pray just for the disciples that are hanging around that can hear my prayer right now, but for those who believe me through their word, that they may be one, us, us, all of us will be one, just as you father and me and I and you, and they are also maybe in us. So that here's the purpose for that. The world may believe that you have sent me. No, you're like, well, that was a weird thing. I, I would think that would be like, 
I mean, we should get along. We should do church things, kind of have cool parties. We should, you know, have a great worship service. But this is the in us, all of us, all this unity is so that the world may believe. Okay. To which you're like, all right, all right. Okay. Maybe that was just a one-off. Keep going. Verse 22. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, a.k.a. us, that they may be one as we are one. And you're like, this is where in a prayer when somebody starts, race, I call it race tracking. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? So when they start saying the same thing over and over again, using slightly different words, and you get kind of annoyed because like, you just said that, but then they're imitating Jesus. So then you can't, really get argue, you can't really get upset about it. Okay, so the glory that you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one, even as we are one, I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one. To which, God, Jesus, you want us to be one. I, I, I got it. No, no, he no. So that, purpose statement, the world may know that you huh, and love them even as you love me. Now, this is, when you read that, you're like, Jesus, you essentially just said the same thing twice because you had some, you know, the people in your current audience at that time were a little slow in the uptake, right? I mean, we, we saw that they needed it kind of on the, the repeat. And I kind of feel like oh, that's me. I kind of needed this a bunch of times. And so I read it a bunch of times to fully understand what this means. It's essentially that Jesus calls Christians to unity for evangelism. Okay, to which you're like, yeah. But this will be helpful. This will be helpful. Uh, a dysfunctional family is not hospitable. Do you, you guys know that, right? I mean, if you ever had a friend call you over to their house and there was massive fighting, uh, parents getting all into it with each other, kids in disarray, it wasn't an environment. It was a hostile to community environment. And so usually you what? Avoided such places. Okay, like, doesn't take a theologian to go like, yeah, in general, people are not attracted to infighting. Nobody's into that. Now, and that's why uh, if you have more than a couple kids, like you have four kids, then you really have to either just kind of just like, our kids will never have friends that come over. Or you figure out discipline. That you kind of have either either way, you got to make a choice. And so when things are functional, you're able to bring new experiences into your home without the fear, watch this, of the outside influencing the inside. In fact, in fact, when the kids come over to our house, the hope is inside our home influences other homes through the evangelists of the kid who's eight years old that comes out our house to jump on the trampoline, uh, play video games, and run across our backyard over and over again. So we understand that from a basic principle of how to have friends, right? Like nobody's sitting there going like, never heard of that before. Okay, so watch. When it com- and, there, and in fact, there comes an excitement when you belong to bring others with you. And that's when God is doing something. And I think this is the part where I feel like the unity here, when we talk about, you know, Jesus in the Father and the, Jesus and the Father in us, there is a... Holy Spirit, supernatural connectivity that happens. And if you want to know why the the church meetings, small groups or whatever, have been lacking that, it's because maybe we've sort of downgraded our entire community experience to like a World War II information club. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? 
so do you guys ever hang out with history buffs that like to tell you about the greatest history things of all time? And they, when they get together, they can talk and talk and talk, but their relevance only extends to other World War II history buffs. Okay, now watch this. Because a World War II history buff has no relevance to the modern day age unless they need to be called on for like, what's the history of World War II as it affects modern day Ukraine in this particular aspect, which still has zero effect on the daily life of someone in Austin, Texas. Am I right? So what I think has happened for a lot of us, we've dumbed down Christianity to a bunch of information and we want to be the smartest kid in the class so that we can sort of outperform and outshow everybody and let everyone know how smart we are. Is that too personal? Because there is no Holy Spirit depth of love, of like connection with God and that oneness with him is not being extended, which is why when you get people that are just a little weird, you get irritated with them because they're in your group. I don't want that person around me. And if there aren't any of those in your group, it's you, all right? So people think about, about you. And so the reality is, is when you understand that it's you, then that means, or you understand there's people like that, you've got to say, there's got to be something greater than a bunch of information. It's got to be transformation, okay? This is, this is important because the whole unity of the church is built there so that the world would know. All right. Um, I like to talk about my community group a lot just because... It's awesome, okay? And if you're a dude, you're invited, all right? So, uh, but if you're of your own community group, please stay at that one. Okay, uh, disclaimer. <laughs> so here's what happened. So um, a couple weeks ago, ah, months ago, um, we had a guy start coming here because his girlfriend was coming here. You know how that happens. And then he, he, you know, his girlfriend was like, you really need to get plugged in. And so she kind of made him come to my community group. You, Anyone tracking that like that's ever happened to you? All right. So he starts coming to my community group because his girlfriend sort of made him. And then uh, he starts loving it. And then he starts inviting his friends. And then his friend uh, Nick shows up. And Nick, like on the first week, we we were talking. I think we were doing Proverbs 5 and the Forbidden Woman. All right. Like that was like topic of discussion. And we were like, the Forbidden Woman of Proverbs 5 if you choose to go down that path, the consequences are going to be an absolute train wreck. And so I go, has anybody here experienced any of that? What is the Lord leading you to share? And let me tell you what, it was like, bing, 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 bing. Everybody was sharing and like, got, like these guys just walked in and like, wow, you guys talk about this stuff. And so it was like three days later that Nick gave his life to the Lord after experiencing that. And it was it two weeks ago we baptized him? Listen, and what I want you to hear in that is when he was able to share his story about he was in the army and they had a view of the opposite sex that wasn't exactly healthy and that it led him down the path of destruction. And then ultimately it brought him to a place where he was able to cry out to Jesus, save me. Because what he saw was genuine and real and heartfelt connection. And then Nick started inviting other guys to the group. So now Elijah comes and he comes all the way, I think, from Fort Hood. <laughs> so, so what I want you to hear is that there is something attractive. Because we have guys that come to our group from Del Valley and Gerald. Okay, listen, that's not to say like, oh, look at our group. We're so amazing. It's just that when you, listen, watch this. When you value something, 
you will overcome whatever obstacle there is to get it. So when I hear this one, ready? Here's, here's your excuse. I, I love you and no judgment. This is just the excuse that you use. I don't have. All right. So what happens when you're saying that is you don't value it. I don't have time because I don't make time for it because somehow you made it to work. Somehow you made it here. Way to go. Somehow you make it for a lot of things that require what? Time. So don't tell me that. It's just, just at least own it. Don't be a victim of time. Yeah. Let's not be victims. We, we're going to put all, let's just say own it. I don't value it. That's okay. Say that. Because that's, that's what you're saying when you say, I'm too busy, I don't have time. Because you make time for the stuff that you value. So what I want us to see is that Jesus somehow valued the community so much that the number one thing he's praying for, for us, like for us, like not just like for his disciples and the Christians in general, but for those who would believe based on their word, he said, I'm praying that they would be one so that the world would know that you sent me, that God sent Jesus. So I want you just to take that into account. When you think about small group, when you think about just even this church meeting right here, is the Holy Spirit present? Is there a oneness aspect? Is there a oneness aspect into small group meeting or has it become, as it tends to become, the information championship bowl where I'm gonna out-duel and I'm gonna make sure people know how smart I am with what I can add or contribute as opposed to allowing the Holy Spirit to move through everyone as we sort of confess and repent and bring ourselves to a place of vulnerability to advance the cause of the kingdom even within our own group. Okay, convicting, I know, keep moving. All right, back, I wanna look at this again. Verse 22, we just sort of ended here. So the world may know that you sent me. And, okay, so there's an and. So the, so the, this clause, so that gives us purpose. The world may know. We got that from 21 as well. And love them even as you love me. So this, I know this to me is the verse that captures my heart. When we talk about God's love and how much God loves Jesus, you'd say, that's pretty deep. You go, I, I want in on that kind of love. Because listen, in a love-starved world, we've isolated ourselves away from people. We are love-starved for real connections. There's a reason why people will go to a metaverse to have relationship with other people because they haven't had it in the real world. And so people are searching all throughout inner space, outer space, and the internet to figure all of this out. They want connection. And so when I hear that, I'm like, okay, I, I get that. Maybe that, that was just a one-off, but again, remember this is a racetrack prayer. He's just circling on this. I and them, and, and you and me. Here's Jeez. Okay, I and them, so Jesus in the church, the, and, and you and me, God the Father in Jesus, so therefore God the Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit's all right here, that they may become perfectly one. There's this unity that involves God, which means there's got to be a time to listen to him. There's got to be a time that he's involved. And then here's it is. Here it is again. So that, purpose statement, so that the world may know. Have you guys heard this before? 
so that the world may know that you sent me. Listen, I, I know that I'm like, that Chris, that you've just essentially said the same thing three times. Exactly. Jesus knew that you would probably abandon this at some point because it's not valuable to you, but he wanted to remind us three times it's important that we would be one in community so the world may know. Okay, and then, secondly, and love them even as you love me. Now, how, when I think about this, how did God the Father love Jesus? Do you guys remember Matthew 3, 17? Jesus, or John the Baptist, baptizes Jesus in the water, the Jordan. He, come, he goes, dunks him under. And the out, when he comes out of the water, the, the dove or, you know, lights on, or the Holy Spirit lights on him like a dove. And the voice of the Father says, this is my son whom I love with him, I am well pleased, and I have just leaned into that statement like you have never believed. I repeat this. If there's a, uh, an inner mantra of meditation on Scripture, it's Matthew 3.17 for me, and I just requote it, and I go, it's the Father saying to me, I love you, I'm proud of you, and you're mine. I love you, I'm proud of you, and you're mine. And everybody in the building needs to hear that. Then you hear God the Father saying, I love you, I'm proud of you, and you're mine. Why can he say that? How is that possible? Because he who knew no sin, Jesus, became sin on our behalf that we might be the righteousness of God. And so therefore, when he looks at you and he looks at me, he sees his son and so therefore imparts that love to us. And I think what happens for a lot of us, we go, no, thank you. Because I don't believe it's true. Because that kind of love doesn't exist. I've never seen that kind of love. I've never seen a, a father love a child like that. I've never seen a husband love a wife like that. I've never seen anything like that. So because I've never seen it, it must not be true. You've got to show me. And that's why Jesus went to the cross, because he knew the world would say that. Let me show you how much I love you. I'm willing to give you the most valuable thing up for you. I love you, I'm proud of you, and you're mine. Father, I desire that they also, that they is us, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am. Like, this is like a heavenly experience. To see my glory that you have given me because you love me. Now, this is important. How did he love Jesus? Because well, the reason that's important because that's gonna tell us how he loves us. Because you love me, before the foundation of the world. This is huge because if you are a follower of Jesus, if you've been born again, if he is, if out of, you've gone from darkness to light, you knew what it was to be lost and then something happened and you believe that Jesus died for you on the cross, rose from the dead and something happened to you, this is you. That you know that you were chosen before the foundation of the world and when you go into the darkness and you run into the deep of the of the mixed up confusion of relationships, of work, of stuff, you know that before the foundation of the world that this was part of the plan. And so you don't fret, you don't worry, you don't go, it's never gonna work out, oh my gosh, it's up to me. You go, oh, you remember who Jesus is. But it also takes the perfectly one bit of this, watch, watch. Oh, righteous father, even though the world doesn't know you, I know you, and these know you that, have, that you have sent me. They know that you sent me, and I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known 
and here comes the purpose, that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. No, no. The reason why we come together in community, why we experience oneness, is so that we experience love. And, and, and again, listen, I'm not, I'm not, I love your quiet time. I think it's beautiful. I love the spiritual disciplines. I think I was up 5.30 this morning in the God's word praying uh, for you, uh, for my children, asking God to do great things uh, this morning, uh, reading his word. I was in 2 Samuel chapter 4, okay? That's where I was this morning. But you know what's really just as powerful, if not even more? It's experiencing the tangible Love of God. How do you experience tangible love of God? Well, have you heard of this? The church is the body of, the church is the body of Christ. If that is true, then experiencing the love from the father and to figure out what that means of I and them, them and me, you have to be in the midst of the body to feel the tangible love of the body of Christ. So let's, let's, let's really wrap our head around this. Essentially, Jesus calls Christian to unity to experience God's love. Our unity is an expression of God's love. So, and this is true, which is why to have unity, you have to give up power. You have to give up comfort. You have to give up control. You have to give up approval. And you've already done these things in other areas of your life. Okay, ready? Um, when you were dating, all right, I know there was probably a point at which you made the ridiculous decision to go like 45 minutes to, for a 10-minute meeting and then drive 45 minutes back, and you only got to spend 10 minutes with whoever that was. Why? Because love makes you do crazy things. Or stupid, okay? Like, we can go that way too. That's fine. <laughs> crazy. The, love makes you do crazy things. But when you're experiencing that, it causes you, watch this, to drive from Dell Valley or drive from Gerald to come somewhere where you're experiencing the tangible love of God. All right. Now, now, what that doesn't mean, what that doesn't mean is that we condone sin or be like, oh, you're okay, I'm okay, let's just not ask each other about that. In fact, isn't it true that wounds from a friend can be trusted? But the enemy multiplies kisses. And so therefore, when someone's talking about the darkness of their life, and we sort of lean into that with the power of Jesus, it is love, it is truth, it is friendship at the deepest level. And what happens a lot of time is that when we resist that, right? Because, I mean, <laughs> you don't understand. They told me I shouldn't. They told me, ah, church, they're just blah. And as if every church is trying to have people leave. Like, you know what? Our job is just to keep this church as small as possible. But inevitably, because we've been so victimized by the world, like nothing's ever our fault, we therefore assume it's their fault for your sin. It's like disciplining a child in anger and going, look what you made me do! Look what you made. You made me leave that church because you told me the truth. It wasn't loving enough. That's what happens to us when we don't live um, 
according to, to the will of God to have his Holy Spirit power. Because we, again, we're not calling on Holy Spirit power. We're calling on information and not transformation. So here's the way I've, um, I've sort of experienced this. Can I, I, I'm going to tell you a real story, but this is so fresh that I got permission, but I'm not sharing names because this is like just happened, okay? Um, guy in our community group uh, got connected, lives far, comes in, meets friends, experiences it, but just isn't there yet with the whole Jesus thing. It's like, I don't, I don't really know if I can believe that. I, you know, I hear you, Chris. I appreciate that you're asking me this, but you're a pastor. Of course, you're going to do that. But, you know, my life is really complicated. And thankfully, other guys in the group meet with him, text him, call him. And then sometimes what happens when you get loved like that, what do you do? When you get loved and you're not used to receiving love, what do you do? You push it away. You sabotage it. You don't answer. You're like, nah, I'm good. And do I have any like Christmas sabotagers here? Like when Christmas comes around, you're just like, you're going to be bah humbug just because. Yeah. So we do that because we don't know how to receive love. We just have issues. Okay. So, uh, so what happened last Friday, it went down like this. Things got low for this, this, this man. And he's like, work is stressful and it's not working the way that I thought it would work. Relationships had fallen apart and it felt like the harder he tried, the worse it got. Does anybody, can anybody identify here, right? And then uh, he went uh, into his house and there was his gun just sort of sitting there and he picked it up and it was loaded. He put it to his head, pulled the trigger. And instead of it going off, it clicked. And then he looked down at his phone for whatever reason. He saw text messages from the entire community group going, hey man, hey man, hey man, hey man. Watch this. When God and Jesus are in the center of their community, you start texting even though you don't know why you're texting. You start calling even though you don't know why you're calling. You guys have heard stories like that, but we've never experienced that because we're not in tune with the Holy Spirit. So um, I just happened to be one of those texts that texted him and then several others were like, yo man, what's up? Yo man, what's up? Hey, how you doing? And then all of a sudden it clicked and it realized like, I need to trust Jesus. I don't know why that took that. But that's what it took to see the tangible love of Jesus within people who care about him, even though it's not biological family. We're talking spiritual family here. We're talking people who who he just walked with and saw the experience of Jesus in that. And so his whole life is going to be transformed and we're still processing all that has happened, but we know that God is working out for God's glory and his good and the good of our community. And we're excited for that. No, listen, this is what I'm saying. And is your community like that? Where you will get to be involved in people's lives on a level of desperation and need where they're like, it's not just an information show-off time. It is a, here's the place where Jesus is transforming me. And everybody here would say, sign me up. The problem is that when we get there, we go back to power, control, approval, and comfort. Because we don't want anyone to know what our real issue is. And that is a roadblock to community. All right. So this morning, I have a question for all of you. Are you living in community? And, and the, the, re, the way that we're sort of going to wrap our head around that is I want us to come to do something together. 
This is exactly what Jesus did before he prayed this prayer as he took the Lord's Supper with his disciples. And this is what he did. He took uh, bread and then he broke it. And then he gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. My body, one body, connects you all. Your soul feeds on Jesus like your body feeds on bread. And that same night, he took the the wine. Remember, wood for wine, glass for grape juice. He said, this is my blood shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this in remembrance of me. He who knew no sin became sin on our behalf that we might be the righteousness of God. And so this morning, before you come up here and take this communion, one, make sure that you love Jesus, that you believe that he died on the cross for your sin, rose from the dead. And secondly, I want you to take time to reflect. I want you to sit there and just for a moment ask this question, am I living in unity? And if the Lord prompts something to confess to him, confess it to him. Whether that's sin, whether that's distrust, whether that's you just got angry at me for stepping on your toes, whatever that is. I want you to bring it to him and say, Jesus, heal me, forgive me. And then you come and you take communion. And we'll be singing. And there'll be another song and then we'll have a a prayer team up front. And then you're like, I want to tell somebody about that, but I'm not really sure who or how or when. That's your cue. You come and you say, here's my thing. Pray for me, oh man, oh woman of God. And watch the spirit move. Because we didn't come here for a roadie club experience. We came here to meet God and experience him together. Would you pray with me? Father, I am so in love with you. And my hope and my heart is that everybody here would experience the love of you, Jesus. And Father, I'm praying for somebody who doesn't know you, that they would take that first step of obedience and simply say, God, I'm a sinner. I've sinned against you in my thoughts, my words, my actions. I have not loved you with my whole heart. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sin. I believe you rose to the dead. Holy Spirit, come into my life and make me the person you want me to be. Jesus, would you do that this morning? And somebody, Father, would you draw somebody? And Lord, for those that do believe, that have been walking this thing out and life got hard because it got busy and then time and value got confusing. And so Lord, we started to prioritize things that fit the power, comfort, approval, or control. And we forgot about the oneness and the power source that we're all connected to and how badly we need Christ, how badly we need the body of Christ. Jesus, would you allow us to bring all that to you as we take communion together? It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said. Imagine just for a second what it would look like to live in genuine community. What it would look like to have friends that would, you could call at 2 a.m. and they'd be there. What it would look like for you to live beyond yourself and you open up to the Holy Spirit and say, God, how would you cause me to love the people that are the body of Christ? Imagine how that would transform you. What that would do for your family. 
how that would transform this church and how it would take care of that city. It would transform everything. Would you receive the benediction? Go. Go and be a people who understand that we are one to let the world know that God, you sent Jesus. Go and be a people who understand that we live out and experience God's love through the one another's. Go and push back the darkness. Have an awesome week of worship. You are sent.